Match Chat is brought to you by Walters. With only 22 home games left this season, Walters is bringing out some new menu items beginning this week. A fresh mozzarella capri sandwich with heirloom tomato on a sun-dried tomato ciabatta roll. And the hottest food trend on TikTok, a smoked cream cheese with pulled beef, scallions, and pickled jalapenos. Make the last bit of your summer a fun one at Walters. Reservations for this weekend series against Atlanta are available now at waltersdc.com slash reservations. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's the set of the pitch. Swing and a drive hit well to left center field. Way back, Nimmo looking up, and it is gone. Goodbye. Bang! Zoom goes Soto. A line shot right over the 370 foot marker and into the picnic area in left center field. Juan Soto with his 19th home run, RBIs 59, 60, and 61. And it's the Nationals three and the Mets nothing. They've called for the ground screw now, so it looks like we are going to have a rain delay starting at 7.42 here in the top of the second inning with a runner at first and nobody out. Hello and welcome. Yes, you are listening to the right podcast. I know it's not Al Gaudi's voice. This is Tim Shovers, the producer of Natchat here, as we have a special edition of the podcast here for you today. As you heard from Charlie Slows in the open, the Nats game on Tuesday night put into a rain delay in New York as the Nats lead 3-1 to one over the Mets in the top of the second. The game is suspended and it will resume at 4.10 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, and basically we're going to have a doubleheader will then be a seven-inning game, so it's going to be a very busy series against the Mets. Two games played on Wednesday, and then a 12-10 game on Thursday, so three games in basically 24 hours. Baseball, there's no schedule quite like it. Originally, when they called the game, I said to Mark and Al, enjoy your evening. We'll save our interview with Jim Callis for another time. But then afterwards, I thought about it and uh, said, you know what? I think that's the wrong move. The right programming decision is to release it in the morning as there's no game to talk about. So here we are. Jim Callis is a senior writer for MLB Pipeline and MLB.com and is the best in the business at covering the draft and its prospects. For those of you not familiar with his work, I'll make it real simple. Just think Mel Kuyper, but for baseball. He has unmatched knowledge on the prospects and draft picks we asked about. You think he only covers the Nationals, but no. He's this knowledgeable about hundreds of prospects simultaneously. You'll be up to speed on Kiebert Ruiz, Josiah Gray, Cade Cavalli, Brady House, even learn some additional inside baseball trivia. Before we start the interview, uh, I do want to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the listeners. We've been receiving daily emails and tweets with some of the most thoughtful and touching compliments to this podcast you've ever seen, and they're coming in from all around the world. 
when I read these, I tell you from the bottom of my heart, it makes the 4 a.m. bedtimes a lot easier. It's something that we hope to continue to make bigger and better for years to come, and we, of course, cannot do it without all of you. Some final bit of housekeeping, though. I promise you the interview is just around the corner. The Natchat blue shirts are almost sold out, which I'm quite humbled by. Email myself at natchatpodcast at gmail.com if I should order another round of shirts or if you'd rather it be in a different color, red, white, even green because you love the Metro so much. One last thing. Nationals fans never got the victory lap you all deserve. So let's take these final few months of a rebuild to take a chance to share our memories from 2019, the first World Series title for Washington since 1924. I will repeat that. The first World Series title for Washington since 1924. Email or send in a voice memo to us at natchatpodcast at gmail.com. Where were you during Game 7? Did you faint in the eighth inning at Dodger Stadium? Were you off Twitter for a few hours and turned on the World Series and saw Joe Ross on the mound? Anything of that nature, from funny to hysterical to dramatic, we want to hear from you about your memories from October of 2019. Podcast at gmail.com. Well, enough of me for now. Here's Al Galdi and Mark Zuckerman interviewing senior writer for MLB Pipeline and MLB.com, Jim Callis. With the 11th pick of the 2021 MLB draft, the Washington Nationals select Brady House, a shortstop from Winder Barrow High School in Winder, Georgia. The Seattle Mariners have the next pick. One of the best people in the country in terms of talking baseball prospects, a true authority on farm systems and the MLB draft. He is Jim Callis, senior writer for MLBpipeline.com. Jim, it's great to have you on, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. And uh, you guys may not know this, but I uh, I grew up in the D.C. area. I'm a, a Northern Virginian for by birth. So uh, we didn't even have it's been we didn't have a Washington baseball team when I grew up. It's nice to have one in the area. though. Did you grow up an Orioles fan? No, you know, I grew up a Red Sox fan because my parent, my grandparents had a place on Cape Cod and we'd go up there every summer. But like if we wanted to go see a game, we'd have to go to Memorial Stadium, which we did a few times. It was uh, you know, back in the day. I, I guess I'm dating myself by talking about Memorial Stadium, Memorial Stadium and, uh, and no, uh, no team in D.C. But yeah, I watched watched a lot of games on Channel 2 back in the day. Oh, uh, yes. Channel 2. Uh, Scott Garceau, Brooks Robinson, a lot of different. Chuck Thompson, of course, calling Chuck games Thompson. for years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we wanted to have you on, given what the Nats just did, the uh, the massive sell-off, trading away eight players for 12 prospects to replenish a farm system that was in really bad shape. I know that each trade is its own entity and each prospect is his own guy. But generally speaking, did you like the overall return that Mike Rizzo got in the sell-off? I did. I, I thought, I mean, before the trades... The Nationals were probably in the running with the White Sox as, as maybe having the thinnest system in Major League Baseball. You know, and, and, and that doesn't necessarily it's not an indictment of being able to sign to develop talent. You know, the, the, the farm system rankings are kind of a snapshot in time. And, and look, the Nationals just won a World Series two years ago and the White Sox have won the best teams in baseball. So when you're winning, sometimes it's hard to keep that system going. You're promoting guys. The amount of depth they added, the amount of talent they added, it's drastically improved the system. I mean, look, obviously, if you're trading guys like Trey Turner or Max Scherzer, you should get good players back. You know, they, they got interesting guys back in the other deal. They, they made so many deals, it was hard to keep track of them all. But, yeah, I think – I guess what I liked about it, I think you could probably debate a little bit. Should you have traded Trey Turner? Like, like you could debate that one. You don't get the return from the Dodgers, obviously, if you, if you don't trade him. But what I do like is I think if you're going to retool, rebuild, whatever word you want to use, you either go all in – 
or you don't do it. You know, to kind of like, ah, we're going to kind of rebuild. That's when you get in that cycle, winning 78, 82 games every year, and, and you just kind of get stuck and spin your wheels. So I like the fact that they committed to a plan and went all in. So you mentioned, you know, being down there towards the bottom in terms of rankings. We know, you know, over the last 10 years, they haven't lacked for elite prospects, you know, top guys. And we've seen a lot of them develop into stars at the big league level, including Trey Turner. Do you feel like all these trades together, what they can do, it's not just about the guys at the top, but about stocking a system with enough players that you have some depth finally, where it it seemed to me, especially this year at the big league roster, when guys got hurt, they just did not have anybody to call up that could just help them get through that those times. They're not star players, but just those like guys who are good enough to be in the big leagues. They just didn't have that this year, it felt like. No, you're right. You're right, Mark. I mean, you, you win with stars, I think. And look, I mean, I, I've said before, they were they had pretty fortuitous draft position where they're picking number one, number one, number six, and they get Strasburg, Bryce Harper. And I thought Anthony Rendon was the best player in the 2011 draft at the time. But, you know, and those guys helped them win championship. But at the same time, you do need that depth, too, for like what you just said, for, for a couple of reasons. One, so when you have holes on the big league staff, big league club, you can fill them. And two, also to give you some depth to make some trades, which they, they have done over the years and added players who, who helped them win. But, yeah, I, I think you, you need both of those things. And I think they accomplished that. I, you know, it's you know, the thing is, too, when they start winning again. You know, that depth, like like plug holes, but like I said, it also gives you guys to trade. When they're ready to win, you can start going back to training prospects for veterans too. So it's crazy. I'm just looking here. We haven't, we're in the process of updating our lists, but I'm just looking at, you know, I mean, obviously the top prospects on our list are the two guys I got from the Dodgers along with Kate Cavalli. But like, you know, I forget how many prospects we added. I don't do our nationals list, but I think we added eight, nine or 10 prospects from the trades to the top 30. We haven't added the draft guys yet, you know, Brady house and company that that'll add three or four new names. But like, I, I think when we update our list in mid season, it may have literally, it may be more new guys than guys who were on the list, say July 20th. It's a total makeover of the system. Well, as things stand now, the Nationals' number one prospect per MLB pipeline is the catcher, Cabert Ruiz. He's ranked as the 39th overall prospect in baseball. He was the guy who the Nats got from the Dodgers, who ranked above everybody else. He was the Dodgers' number one prospect at the time. What can you tell us about him? What do the Nats have in him? What could he be as a major league catcher? Yeah, he's real interesting because it's like a lot of times when you're catching prospects, you have guys who are good defensively and you wonder about the bat or it's the guy you can hit and you're not sure if he can stay a catcher. And he can really do both. I mean, he's got some of the best contact skills in all of minor league baseball. If you look at his strikeout rates, his bat-to-ball skills, the Dodgers, who do a really good job of getting the most out of their players, had worked with him on some swing changes over the last you know, 18, 24 months, and he really started driving the ball a lot more consistently. So I think you're talking about a guy who could be a solid hitter with 20 homers a year. Um, and he's got the tools to be at least an average defender, maybe better than that behind the plate. Moves pretty well back there. He's got arm strength. You know, he, I think he needs more consistency behind the plate. But in terms of upside, I mean, you could see the receiving skills. You can see you can see the arm strength. It just needs to be more consistent. But you're talking about a guy, nobody doubts he could stay behind the plate. He's going to hit. I, you know, I'm not saying he'd be necessarily number three here in the lineup. But I think he bats in the top half of your lineup somewhere. You know, first, you know, four or five spots. He's not a guy you're batting eighth and you're hoping you get like, 260 with 10 or 12 homers out of him. He'll, he'll be better than that. So, I mean, I, I think it's all-star upside behind the plate. Now, Josiah Gray still counts as a prospect, but obviously we've already seen him. He's made two starts 
for the Nats. And the last one was really impressive. 10 strikeouts to the Braves, 20 swing and misses in five innings. And what struck me was the slider and curveball combo. They're two separate pitches, but they come in at the same velocity and kind of look the same to the hitter. The little bit we had heard about him prior to all this was, here's somebody who's probably a middle rotation, maybe number two starter. I mean, what I saw the other night looked better than that, but obviously you don't want to read too much into one start. What is his ceiling, do you think? No, I mean, I think he's got the ceiling to pitch toward the front of a rotation. I mean, it's weird, like in terms of, of like pinning, like where the guy fits in the rotation, I kind of look at guys who fit in the front half or back half of the rotation because it's a lot of it depends on your team too. But he's what's exciting about him, I mean, what's crazy is when he went to college, he was a shortstop for two years at Division II school. Um, and he went to the Cape Cod League. He pitched a little bit. He became a full-time pitcher and it's just really taken off. It keeps getting better and better. I mean, you can see mid-90s fastball, too, to go with the breaking stuff. It's just electric. Guys don't seem to get a good look at it. It, it seems like it has an extra gear when it gets to the plate. And he's really athletic. He throws strikes. You know, it's not like, hey, he's still trying to figure out some of the nuances of pitching. You know, he, he's pretty polished. You, you wouldn't know. I mean, you've seen him a couple times. But, you, I mean, just looking at the way he's carved up minor league hitters throughout his pro career, you wouldn't know this is a guy who's really only been pitching full-time for, for three or four years. And one of the things the Dodgers really liked about him, too, is he's super competitive. Like, he like has really good mound presence, attacks hitters, and they just think that makes him you know even better. So, I mean, again, I mean, it depends who's on the staff. But, I mean, I think he's a guy who the upside is he pitches in the first couple spots in the rotation uh, there in Washington. I mean, he's it'll be interesting because you could argue him versus Kate Cavalli you know, they do it a little bit differently. Like Kate Cavalli has that kind of upside too. So, I mean, those are probably the top two pitchers, you know, along with Strasburg going forward. And, and I think Cavalli is probably not too far away from Washington either. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Cavalli. So, I mean, I know these rankings, you can't take everything so literally, but Josiah Gray is ranked as 40th overall. Cavalli is at 75 overall. Why the difference? Like, why is Gray appreciably yeah. higher than Cavalli? Well, we haven't updated the rankings. <laughs> That's the main reason. When we update them in a couple of weeks, I believe Cavalli will be ahead of Gray. Like Gray will probably be about where he's right now. Cavalli, like it's weird. The way we do our, our lists, we update them. So like when the Nationals acquire a million players, we put them on our Nationals list, but we don't rearrange the order of the guys who are currently on the list. And because Gray and Cavalli are both on the top 100, they're locked in. I, I would, I think Cavalli's got a higher ceiling than Gray and Gray's got a higher floor. I think you could argue him back and forth. My, my biggest question with Cade, and he's done a great job of it so far this year is, he just hasn't really been healthy for a full season of pitching in a long time. Even going back to his senior year as Oklahoma high school, I think he had back issues and then he was a two-way guy at Oklahoma. I think he even missed a couple starts in his draft year. Well, I'm sorry, not his draft year, the year before his draft year, because his draft year was COVID year. So, this, so that's my, 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 my biggest question with Cade. But I think Cade's probably got even more devastating pure stuff than Gray. I think Gray is more athletic, throws more strikes. You probably, you know, if you're trying to guess at pitcher health, which is honestly <laughs> guesswork, because I've seen guys with great deliveries get hurt and guys with lesser deliveries. Not, I mean, Max Scherzer, who the Nationals just traded, I was, you know, when I saw when he got drafted, he had the, one of the biggest headwacks I've probably ever seen a pitcher have. He held out for a year when, when Rizzo drafted him with the Diamondbacks. And, it, and so his first pro experience, I want to say, was in the Arizona Fall League, or he was getting more because he'd, he'd signed so late. Everybody had the same opinion, like, Diamondbacks got to put this guy in the big league bullpen now because he's going to blow out in two years. And I don't think Max has ever had an arm problem. Like he's had, you know, finger, you know, button balls off his face. But like, so anyway, I, I'm digressing. That would be the difference between those two guys. And like, I think, like I said, I don't have our new rankings in front of me. And we're still playing with them. But I think Cade will be slightly ahead of Josiah when the rankings are updated. These, these are kind of old and 
Like we usually update them in mid season and with the draft getting pushed forward so late, we're just getting to that process now. That is the fun of this though, Jim, is that you can think you know what you're projecting somebody to be. And ultimately it's up to them to now show you what they're going to be. And obviously Max Scherzer has proven to be, you know, one of the best of all time, despite whatever legitimate concerns there may have been at the time. He's cleaned it up some, Mark. I'm t- I saw him in the fall league and his head was like bouncing off his shoulder. I mean, it was <laughs> such an extreme head whack. And there's just, you looked at that guy and you're like, there's no way that guy's going to hold up. And yeah. And then I think about a guy like Mark Pryor who had, you know, the classic delivery and he's big and strong and he just couldn't stay healthy. So it, it, it's, it's crazy with pitchers. Those are the big names that we were saying before about, you know, this is also about depth. If you can, who from the rest of the group that they just acquired, is there any name that stands out to you as here's someone who, if everything goes right, could turn into something more than maybe we expected him to? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think because of the nature of the trades they made and they got two top 100 guys, you know, Ruiz and, and Carrillo kind of hogged the limelight a little bit, but like, I mean, Ruiz and Gray, I'm going to have a Gerardo Carrillo, who's the third player in that deal. He's really interesting too. I've seen him hit 100 miles an hour with with a real hard slider in the Arizona Fall League. I think he got overshadowed in a really deep Dodger system. I think he's a potential either, you know, I guess upside would be like a three or four starter, um, or maybe he's a late inning reliever. One of the guys I got in in the the Schorber trade, Aldo Ramirez, he's not a real physical guy. He's like 6'0", 190. You know, so he's not this big hulking guy, but it was interesting because you know, during the pandemic last year, when there was no minor league season, you hear a portrait by, oh, this guy's velocity is up. This guy's velocity is up. And, and you hear that. And in part, because guys hadn't pitched a long season, you were seeing him in short stints in instructional league or the alt site, but he started throwing like averaging 93, 94 last year, topping out at 96. And he's kept it this year, um, which is what everybody was kind of curious about. He's got a really nice change up. His curveball has moments. So, I mean, you might have a, a sleeper starter with him, Mason Thompson, who they got from the Padres is a guy who, who is somewhat inconsistent, but has a, has a really, really live arm. Drew Millis is kind of a sleeper. They got it from the A's. He, he's a really good defensive catcher. You know, Jordy Barley is like a really young shortstop who's raw they got in the Padres deal. He's a guy to keep an eye on. Donovan Casey, the fourth guy in the Dodgers deal. Again, there's another guy who was buried on the Dodgers outfield depth chart. But I mean, he's athletic. He can run. He can throw. He's big. He's a chance to play center. He might be something. You know, another guy they got from the A's, I, I'm rattling off all these names here, but the gouache, the, the right-hander they got from the A's, I mean, he could be mid-90s fastball, mid-80s slider. You know, again, I think he's got to throw more strikes, but if he doesn't do that, maybe he's he's a, a reliever. But they got they got a ton of guys. I'm sure I left somebody out, but it was it was crazy. I mean, I'm sure you guys, too, trying to keep track. <laughs> like, it was like every minute, like, oh, here's some more guys coming in. I mean, they, they really added to the system. And then you throw the draft on top of that. The system, you know, like I know our top 30 list already looks radically different. That chat is sponsored by Silver Branch Brewing Company, located in downtown Silver Spring, only a one-minute walk from the Silver Spring Metro Station. Silver Branch is a perfect jumping-off point to Metro down to the game. Park at the Cameron Street parking lot and meet up with friends for a beer and a bite to eat before Metroing down. You can also get Silver Branch beer at Nationals Park. Beyond the Gnome World, one of Silver Branch's four flagship beers is available at District Drafts at Section 223. Brewed to be light and refreshing, Beyond the Gnome World won a gold medal for the Saison beer style at the Great American Beer Festival last year. Beyond the Gnome World is deliciously dry and thirst-quenching and the perfect beer for hot summertime ball games. You may not be familiar with Saison, but take our word for it, baseball season is the perfect season 
for Saison and buying from District Drafts to support your local breweries is a gnome run. Go to Section 223 and try Beyond the Gnome World the next time that you're at Nats Park and make sure you stop by Silver Branch located in Metro Plaza just steps from the Silver Spring Metro. Silver Branch Brewing Company. When you come in, let them know that the Nats Chat Podcast sent you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the 17th selection of the 2019 MLB draft, the Washington Nationals select Jackson Rutledge, a right-handed pitcher from San Jacinto College, North Houston, Texas. Good bit of power arms in that list you were just going through. Mike Rizzo has loved the power arms for years, and there may not be a bigger power arm in the Nationals farm system than Jackson Rutledge. Now, he's dealt with injury he also has dealt with some ineffectiveness. His overall minor league numbers are not good, but the guy is 6'8". I mean, he looks the part if anyone is ever going to look the part. What are your thoughts on Jackson Rutledge? He is a top 100 prospect for MLB Pipeline and what he could prove to be for the Nats at the major league level. Yeah, I mean, there's huge upside there. I mean, he's you said he's 6'8". You know, can be a well above average fastball, can be a well above average slider. You know, I mean, I know he's had some, some injuries, you know, this year. I don't think it's anything that, that anybody's too worried about, you know, long term. You know, he, he's I guess he missed his last start, but he was back in a ball toward the end of July. You know, I, I, I think with him, I mean, I, I would just say patience. Like I, I know I've been like for my job, I've been trying not to read too much. Basically losing a year development affects guys in different ways. And, and with Jackson, he's a guy who didn't pitch much as a freshman in Arkansas. I mean, it's crazy thinking about how Arkansas went to the national, the college world series finals and didn't take him to, to Omaha on their roster. I think he had a hip injury and, and he didn't pitch and they decided not to take him to Omaha and then it you know, goes to, to San Jacinto, and he, and he had a great year in junior college. But, I mean, this is a guy who, between not pitching much his freshman year, not getting to pitch much last year, I mean, he's really only had one full season since 2018. So I think he just needs some innings. And his upside, I mean, he's right there with Grant Cavalli in terms of upside. And, you know, he's probably, you know, being six foot eight, even more to me than those guys on the mound. I mean, it's, I mean that's another power arm. And again, I mean, the nice thing is, especially in today's era, I mean, I, I think he can. I mean, he he was polished at San Jacks. So I think he is a starter. But I mean, let's say for some reason he, he's not as polished as we hope. I mean, you could definitely see that being a late inning reliever. You know, like like a, like a high leverage guy. So you mentioned Brady House earlier and how he'll end up here in the rankings here soon once you guys add the draft picks. It was kind of interesting. I mean, the, the Nats were one pick away from having a shot at Kumar Rocker in the end, and I'm not sure they ever imagined that that was going to happen. Then we saw, of course, what happened with the Mets. House is an 18-year-old shortstop, so who knows? It's going to be a while till we really know what they have. And there's already been talk of, well, is he actually going to play short or could he end up at third base because of his size? 
Do you feel like for where they were position-wise, 11th in the draft, that that was the best they were going to do there? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think they might have taken Rocker if he'd gotten there too. But, you know, it was an interesting draft where, you know, aside from Kumar and you know, whatever's going on with him physically, because nobody knows exactly what the medical reports say, Kumar is really good. But he was also somewhat overhyped. I think fans, like, thought he was he was, he was both very good and both very famous. And in my mind, I think there are about eight guys on the top tier of the draft this year. I liked Marcelo Meyer, the, the high school shortstop the Red Sox took at four, the best. And then I had Jack Leiter, who, who went number two, the Rangers. I, I had him personally number two. And then I think the other six guys you could talk about in different orders. And Brady House was in that mix. So I think if I'm the Nationals picking 11, the hope was that we'll get a shot at one of those eight guys, which they did. And in some ways, it worked out better for them that you know, I don't know what would happen, you know, how they would have interpreted the physical with Rocker, but they didn't have to go through that. And, you know, they, it was fortunate because the teams who picked fifth was the Orioles, fifth, seventh, eighth, and ninth all chose to take guys who they could sign below slot so they could spend money later. And that pushed House to the Nationals. And, and yeah, I, I love the pick. I mean, for where they picked him, especially, we thought, you know, we always do this best tools list, you know, talking to kind of everybody with all the teams. And Brady House was the best power hitter in the whole draft. You know, he was a guy who went into last summer, probably is the number one high school prospect. And he had a bad summer. Like he, he went on the showcase circuit the year before going into his junior year and was unbelievable. And I think last summer he tried to live up to his hype a little bit and was chasing pitches. And so people are like, not sure what to make of him coming out of that. And then he was back to being normal. He didn't try to do too much this spring. He had a really good spring. He looked a little quicker. You know, <laughs> I think if I had to guess, he probably does wind up at third. But like, it's so easy to say that because he's six foot four and two fifteen already. I said the same thing about Corey Seager coming out of high school, and so did a lot of people. And Corey Seager's still playing short. I think he's got a chance to play play shortstop. If he winds up at third, that's fine. I think it's big power. You know, the comp I got in him a lot was kind of a more athletic version of Joey Gallo. You know, he, he's kind of got that big frame and, and he's got that kind of power upside. And, and I think he, he he's a little bit better athlete than Joey Gallo too. So I, I think. What's nice about him is even if he winds up a third, the bat should play to either position. And, and I think that's that, that could wind up being a steal. I mean, again, you had teams cut deals at, at five, seven, eight, nine, but but Brady House shouldn't have gotten to the Nationals. And and that, that was a nice get. Do you think that teams should be allowed to trade draft choices like you can in other sports, like, you know, trade your number five overall pick? To me, it would make for a more interesting draft. It could make for more interesting rebuilds, maybe accelerate some rebuilds. I'm sure there are reasons for why you can't trade picks, but you've been covering the draft for years. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that that could change here. I mean, it's funny because I think a big part of the reason we haven't had draft pick trades, honestly, is because that's the way it's always been. And baseball has a lot of that. I mean, we've seen there's been more change recently, but there's been a lot of stuff in baseball. It's like, well, that's the way we've always done it. And they didn't have trades. And I know when I started coming to stuff 30 years ago, I think in general, people were opposed to it because they felt like agents would dictate where guys go. Like, hey, case in point, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, is on the cover of Sports Illustrated and he wants to be a Yankee. And what if Bryce says, hey, I'm only going to play for the Yankees. You got to trade me to the Yankees and would give guys leverage. And it's funny, we've kind of come full circle because in the mid 80s, Pete Cavillia was like the eighth overall pick by the Expos. He refused to go to Montreal. He didn't want to play in Canada. And so he wouldn't sign until they agreed to trade him. Like he literally, he signed with the Expos like in October, held out for a few months and they immediately trade him to the Rangers and it wasn't a good trade. So then there was a rule that was like, oh, you can't trade a guy until a year after he's been drafted. Trey Turner and Trey Turner, everybody's like, this is horrible. Trey Turner knows he's a player to be named and he's being held hostage in San Diego. So now you can get traded sooner than that. And, you know, we, we have, you can trade 
Like we've dipped our toe in the water. They changed it the last two years during the pandemic. But before that, you could trade your competitive balance picks that a handful of teams have. I think we'll eventually see that you could trade for, like, I think it would give teams more flexibility. I think it would help teams. Let's say your team, White Sox have the worst farm system in baseball right now. White Sox want to go make a big trade. They don't necessarily have a lot to trade, but they could trade first round picks. Like I, I would bet that they limit it maybe to picks. Maybe it's just first rounders or top two rounds. Maybe you can only trade picks so many years into the future. So you don't have some team trade six first round picks and, and then gut their franchise, you know, their ability to draft that way. But I think it's probably coming. I mean, from a selfish standpoint, it wouldn't be great for any of us who cover baseball because for somebody who does, I do a ton of mock drafts every year. Like one thing that's nice talking to my friends who cover the NFL, everybody in the NFL just lies to you. Like nobody tells the truth when you're trying to get information because, you know, if I tell you the truth, like if, if I'm the nationals, I'm like, Hey, you know, we're hoping we can get Brady house. We think he's going to follow us. Somebody might be like, Oh, I'll trade up to 10 and get Brady house. And like, like you don't have that. So people in baseball are pretty candid about talking about stuff. I think it's a, for, it helps me do my job because if I'm talking to all the teams, I can kind of share information rather than teams trying to have to call all the other teams. So that would make my life more difficult, but, but I agree hundred percent. It would make for a lot more interesting. I, I think on draft night, like if, like what if Kumar Rockers on the board at, at number nine, which people weren't expecting and the angels are like, Hey, we could trade down to 14 and still get the guy we like, like, like it, it would create a lot of interest. So I, I think it's probably coming with some sort of limitations. Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty fascinating. It would change our, all of our dynamics on draft night because that would, you know, you suddenly have to be ready for anything at any time. I, you know, it could inject some, uh, some spice into it, but I like how it does come full circle to Trey Turner. But yeah. So for years, that, that's why that rule was in there was so that the players would not have power. And then everybody realized, oh, but this is horrible now. I mean, if I remember correctly, Trey Turner play a little bit, but not all the time. Like they were basically yeah. don't play. Yeah, they had him playing like half time. Yeah, which is good him. for Trey yeah. Turner. It was it was his goofiest. Yeah. Thing. And everybody knew. I mean, everybody knew, I think immediately in December, right? When they made that trade at the winter meetings, yeah. that Trey Turner was the player to be named, but he couldn't be officially named until a year after he signed his first pro contract. That was crazy. Yeah, it was a little ridiculous, but Nats are certainly glad that they got him. Well, Jim, we've been reading your work for years. Uh, we enjoy it so much. Continued success to you, and thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, it was great talking to you. Great talking Nationals. I probably have uh, I have to have some of my relatives who still live in the area listen to the podcast. Although I guess now with podcasts, now I'm making myself sound old. You don't have to be in the D.C. area. You could listen anywhere, but I'll have to tell them I'm on, on a local podcast. Anywhere in the globe, we can uh, we can reach you. But uh, we appreciate it so much. Thanks the best. Thanks. Tickets for the remainder of the 2021 Fredericksburg National season are on sale now. They have promotions for every night of the week, like $2 Tuesdays, Thirsty Thursdays, Firework Fridays, and Giveaway Sundays. If you can't make it to the game in person, you can listen to a free online radio broadcast on the Fred Nats Baseball Network or watch a live video stream with a subscription to MILB.TV. Stop by the box office or visit FredNats.com for ticket information and see the future stars of the Washington Nationals today. Here's the pitch. Fastball swung on and missed up and out of the zone. A new career high in strikeouts for Josiah Gray. That's eight as he achieves that career high in his fourth big league appearance. Man, does Jim Callis really know his stuff. Thank you to Jim for joining us and for sharing with us his wealth of knowledge. Joe Ross is going to relieve Paulo Espino in the suspended game as the Nationals lead 3-1 to one in the top of the second. 
The following game is TBD. My hunch, Eric Fetty goes on Wednesday night. And then Josiah Gray pitches Thursday. He'll be on full rest in New York. And then on Friday evening at home against the Braves, Patrick Corbin will take them out. That's just my guess. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon. Appreciate you joining us here on the Nats Chat Podcast. With the uh, first selection in the 2009 first-year player draft, the Washington Nationals select Steven Strasburg, right-handed pitcher from San Diego State University, San Diego, California. The Seattle Mariners are now on the clock. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.